0: All right, Alexander. Let's talk about the EU economy, which uh, I think Mario Draghi said the other day is moving towards recession. Uh, we can talk about the German economy, which is in recession, and uh, I think the the accession talks between uh, the EU, which have been approved between the European Union, Ukraine, Moldova, Bosnia Herzegovina, and Georgia they they're not going to help the the economic situation in uh, in the European Union one bit. So uh so let's discuss the the ever sinking
1: uh EU. Well, you know, this is a I mean it's good that you brought up the question of those accession talks because we see again what remains the ultimate fixation of the European bureaucracy. I mean, they have Uh, a deteriorating economy a severely deteriorating economy and yet their their um priority is not to fix that problem but to go on expanding the project and they are not really interested this is my own sense in these deteriorating in this deteriorating situation and of course at the moment i mean you know given that there's a war on in Ukraine. Starting accession talks with Ukraine is an absurd idea. It makes no sense at all. And, uh, um, you know, it it, it just, again, heightens the sense of unreality about the whole way in which the EU is conducted. Now, let's get back to reality. Now, apparently there there was a report, issued by the Scientific Committee of the Bundestag, the German Parliament, in August. It's been given almost no attention whatsoever. I finally saw a link to it, thanks to um, a a piece that was written about it at the recent Valdai conference. And what it basically says is this. The EU economy as a whole is in bad shape, has been now for a long time growth has been low when there has been any growth at all um, if you're talking about italy it has been in its its economy has been stagnating now for something like a quarter of a century in, a, in other words ever since the euro was introduced uh, and that's basically the general story right across the whole eu right across the eurozone and the eu as well but To the extent that there has been any growth driver, that growth driver has been Germany. Except Germany now is in a difficult position because the entire German model was predicated on industrial, uh, on manufacturing exports made competitive through cheap, cheap energy imports from Russia. The EU has now closed off those energy imports. The result is that um, there is no... Germany is not receiving cheap energy. That's increasing internal costs, domestic costs in Germany relative to Germany's trade rivals. And that means that Germany is losing its competitive uh, position. And... That is a long-term problem and the uh, report went on to say that to the extent that it can, the German government is trying to um, counter this loss of competitiveness by providing subsidies and increasing spending, but that is over time deteriorating Germany's fiscal position. And that will, in time, lead to higher taxes, to higher tax burdens, um, problems in the bond markets, all of those things. And that will reinforce a long-term policy, a long-term trend of loss of competitiveness and industrialization. So, a very bleak picture already Made worse by a sanctions war, that of course the EU is intensifying because even as they start these talks with Ukraine, Moldova, Georgia, and Bosnia Herzegovina, they're simultaneously uh, are continuing, increasing the number of sanctions. They're imposing against Russia, so now it's what well, we've talked about—the diamonds. But you know, they're heading. Apparently, they're going to impose the sanctions on diamonds next week.
0: Yeah, the the twelfth, thirteenth uh, uh, sanctions package that they're now uh, about to launch next week. Um, so, you know what. <laughs> where where is this all heading for for the european union i, I mean is there anybody anybody who well, can put on the brakes here because this is it's obvious that that the well, eu is going to to break apart is going going to implode on on these policies i mean well moldova moldova has a territorial dispute it should not be allowed into the european union that's obvious And I'm not even getting into the the economics of Moldova. I mean, obviously, it doesn't fulfill any of the requirements to enter the European Union. If you believe that the EU ever had uh, requirements to maybe once upon a time, it would take those requirements seriously. But, um, you know, Moldova, Ukraine, obviously, Ukraine doesn't fulfill any of the requirements to enter the European Union, even though Ursula, detached from reality, Ursula gave a speech and she said Ukraine has fulfilled 90% of the reforms that uh, that the EU requires. Uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Georgia. I mean, you know, economics war against Russia. Germany deindustrialized. There's no one, no one in all of Europe, in all of Europe, who can say, look... No- I despise Russia, I hate Russia, I hate Putin, but okay, enough.
1: Mm. Well, there might be... There Outside might of Orban, mi- by the way. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> well, such a person might eventually emerge, but there is no sign of them so far. What we basically have in Europe, and this is the real disaster, is we still have, in fact we have a reinforced Merkelism, except that we don't have Merkel herself to run the system. Merkel created this extraordinary system in Europe, where everything <clears throat> is basically run bureaucratically from the centre, from Merkel's centre. You know, she ran things like a kind of Metternich, But she was sufficiently grounded in reality to keep all the various balls in the air at the same time and to keep the show on the road. Now, she is gone. Her system continues. All the people that we see running things, Ursula von der Leyen, for example, um, they are basically um, people left over from Merkel's system. But she, of course, isn't there any longer. And they're just continuing to do the kind of things that they were being encouraged to do through the system that Merkel created, without having Merkel herself Able to bring them under control and to hold them in check. So, the real disaster and the disaster for Germany, but also for the disaster for all of Europe, is that this stagnation and this process of deindustrialization is becoming institutionalized and there is no end in sight to it. So, you know, they're just about able to avoid, for the moment, a big crisis. And maybe they will be able to continue to do that, just as Merkel could. But the problem is that, in a way, that is the worst of all outcomes, because it means that with every year that passes, de-industrial tre- industrialisation trends grow stronger, stagnation trends right across the political and economic system get deeper and it becomes ever more difficult to break out of this thing which is pulling the whole of europe down now eventually it will all crash but the longer it keeps you know on this kind of track the worse it gets but merkel very successfully destroyed all the alternatives and at the center, no alternatives, no debate, no discussion is there, no debate or discussion is allowed. Yeah, but even Merkel and Hollande,
0: say that the two people, Germany and France, way back that, that created this system, um, even they're not speaking out against reckless moves like letting Ukraine into the European Union, which which a five-year-old understands is ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't take much to understand that this is ridiculous, but uh, they're encouraging this. They're encouraging the the, the, the subsidies and the spending and uh, Project Ukraine. I mean, I don't, I don't hear Merkel coming out or Hollande. Actually, I think Hollande has actually come out with statements encouraging Project Ukraine to continue. But uh, I don't see them coming out and saying, look, you know, when we were running the show in Europe you know, we showed some some restraint and, and some rationality. I mean, they're not saying that. So well, you see, it seems like everyone on Europe is on board with the destruction of Europe, of the EU, the destruction of the
1: EU. Yeah, but this is the irony about Merkel because, of course, she is both discredited personally, even as her system endures. <laughs> she uh, uh, um, um, controlled the system, but... To the extent that she exercised control, her control was actually resented by the people who are in charge. So now the teacher has gone, and without the teacher, the class, you know, just does what it wants. And they're not prepared to listen to the teacher. And the teacher herself is afraid to speak out. I don't know what Merkel herself thinks about this whole situation. But as I said, she's so discredited that she doesn't want to end up in the same sort of situation that uh, Gerhard Schröder, her predecessor, is in, where he's in in the doghouse. I understand his pension has been taken away. He's lost all the um, positions that he was entitled to have as as a former German chancellor. His own party, the SPD, has repudiated him. You see the ruthlessness of the system towards any kind of dissent, But, of course, this is all the structures. This ruthlessness is, the, is, is something that Merkel his, herself created. So what we have is a Europe trapped into immobilism and stagnation, continuing on automatic pilot, because the pilot herself has left the bridge, and there's no one to take her place.
0: I, I agree. And my, fu- my final question and comment is that you're, you're right. It's, you know, I I live in the European Union. You at one time <laughs> lived in the European Union, though. Some would argue that you, you are still living in the European Union, being based in the UK. Who knows? Maybe that's a separate video for another time. But, um, you know, it, it is a ruthless system. The EU is absolutely a ruthless uh, system. But um, what good? Is the ruthless system if the system is is being pushed towards collapse? I, I mean, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, these these people they love their power, they love uh, you know running the, the the European Union, they love the control they have over all the citizens of Europe. But uh, what good is it if if you're moving this car towards towards the cliff? Uh, who, who's who's going to pay? for uh, for uh ukraine moldova bosnia and Ger- and uh, georgia uh when they enter the european well, union who's going to pay for this now that germany is is in recession and is and has been completely uh, crushed because in the past germany would pay for all of this germany would pay well, for for, for for the for the countries in, well, in in the South or for the Eastern European countries, it was Germany that flipped the bill. who's going to pay for it now? Uh, real quick, Alexander Bloomberg read an article uh, the other day yesterday with the title EU Mulls Alternative Ukraine Funding Plan to Bypass Hungary veto And in the article it says that because Hungary is blocking the 50 billion to Ukraine, The plan from the EU now is a proposal which would involve national guarantees from member states to raise funding in the markets. Should Budapest block the review of the EU's long term budget, which includes the package and requires the unanimity, according to people familiar with the discussions, the money to Ukraine, the 50 billion, because uh, Hungary is blocking it. From what I'm getting from this. The EU plan is we want the member states to take out loans and guarantee those loans to to go to Ukraine to raise money. And that money that they're going to raise is going to be sent to to Olensky. So, I mean, this is
1: such madness. But who's paying for all of this? Well, ultimately, all the bills come, and of course we do. I mean, well, I say we do. I mean, European citizens do. I mean, that's that's the thing to always understand about this. And of course, this mechanism that Bloomberg is talking about. I mean, bear in mind what it ultimately is is a form of eurobonds. Remember, the whole system was not supposed to result in eurobonds being created. The Germans oppose eurobonds inexorably. Uh, uh, um, um, eurobonds. Are now starting to appear because the European Commission wants eurobonds, um, and if you really want to understand why they're so intent on pressing forward with EU expansion, again, it's you see they they are not focused they, they they're not focused upon the economics of any of this. They do sense that there are problems with the project. So their, their own feeling is, we've got to go on, keep on expanding. Because if we don't, if we don't expand, if we don't integrate more deeply, if we don't expand territorially, the whole thing will start to fall apart even faster than it is doing at the moment. So we just keep going. <laughs> we keep moving on. We, we can't address... The underlying problems in the system, because if we did, that would call the whole system into question. So, all we can do is press forward, press forward with these Eurobonds ideas, which circumvent sovereign states, clear violation of the treaties. But you see that that's how they're thinking. And at the same time, of course, we press on with expansion as well. And in the meantime, things within the EU continue to get worse. And by the way, you asked about Britain. You mentioned Britain. Britain, of course, is in exactly the same situation because, of course, we left the EU, but the EU system, the Merkelism, essentially, it's the extraordinary thing about this. Merkelism in Britain has got worse since we left the EU because uh, we've already talked about this, how um, all of the... Dissident forces that you know were uh, rose up in the 2015-2016 period. Corbyn, Farage, the people who uh, navigated through the Brexit referendum, all of them, all of them have been neutralised and they've been banished to the margins and driven out of the system. And so that the establishment, the Merkel-type establishment, is in control here. But We've just had a report from the Bank of England, of all places, in which they also say that Britain is now a high-tax, stagnating economy. Sounds exactly like the EU, but how has that come about? It's because Britain is pursuing, essentially, ultimately, the same type of policies that the EU is. They also remain obsessively focused with Ukraine. They also continue to impose sanctions after sanctions. They also cut themselves off from their um, hinterland, which is in a sense what Russia is, the country that can provide the raw materials, the cheap energy, the cheap food, that you know might make a difference in Europe and might provide possibilities for lowering costs, cutting taxes, doing that kind of thing. But, you see, ideologically... Politically, you can't do that. So you keep going, despite the fact that you yourself have been told, by your own central bank, the Bank of England in this case, which is a, as establishment as it gets, that your economy is now locked into an indefinite stagnation.
0: Yeah. Euro bonds for Zelensky. Oh, no, Knowing... <laughs> Knowing that he's lost the war, and they know that he's lost yes. the war, but they're still going to to to, to do Eurobods for uh, for Ukraine. It's it's unbelievable. It has it has nothing to do the the EU project has been completely exposed. It has nothing to do with an economic union, with trade, with the freedom of movement. It has nothing to do with that. At the end of the day, what the EU was is. And uh, continues to move towards is uh, an empire. It's all about U.S. empire projection.
1: Well, it is the, absolutely the U.S.
0: figured it out. The, the, the U.S. figured it out. They said instead of dealing with 27 individual countries and having to deal with 27 countries, that's going to be a big headache. Just bundle them into one package, and we can just deal with one central uh, <laughs> entity, and that's how we can control all of Europe. That's it. Absolutely, And it needs to oh, expand.
1: Absolutely. It has to expand. Because that's what empire does. And it, absolutely. And that's, of course, what a bureaucracy wants to do. <laughs> the, 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 the main engine for all of these policies, ultimately, within Europe itself, is the bureaucracy in Brussels, which is ultimately unaccountable. It's not elected. It's, there's no government that supervises it. I mean, there are lots of governments. Well, you've got lots of governments and no single one government, then of course essentially they're able to play uh, one government off against each other, the other they can do all of these things, and of course they want to aggrandize and increase their size and power, which by definition is what bureaucracies do. If you leave them out of control, if you leave them unchecked, that's what they do. So they're very happy to go along with the imperial enterprise, because from their point of view, that plays exactly into what they are. But of course, coming back to what we said, it's all based on unreality. And in the end, it is unsustainable. But the damage it is doing in the process is colossal. And to be honest, I don't know that Europe as a civilizational entity, as a centre in world affairs is ever coming back. I mean, we had Jose Borrell going to China recently, saying, you know, why don't you take us seriously? And you could almost see the Chinese laughing behind their hands.
0: Yeah, it's not coming back. Not in our lifetime, that's for sure. It's not coming back, yeah. I think, I think Europe is is openly mocked around the world now. I mean, openly mocked and disrespected. Yeah. And, and, and just a final note, how can, how, how can member states... Uh, question or dissent from the rule of, of a central Brussels um, entity when that, se- that central force ultimately controls the fiscal policy and the finances of that member state. I mean, when, even, even if a member state like Greece, which uses the euro, which is dependent on the euro, even if Greece questions um, Ursula's sanctions against Russia, what are they going to do? When when the EU can just you know close the the tap of, of euros going into the country, which is which it has done before. I mean, there is there is no there uh, is no discussion, debate, or democracy uh, in in Europe whatsoever. Which is why they also announced just on a final note. Which is why they also announced uh, the past couple of days the central bank digital currency and the creation of the European ID and the wallet bundled into one. I mean the more more control and authoritarianism is is where they're heading expansion and more authoritarianism
1: well this is exactly correct but there we go i mean you know full steam ahead towards the cliff edge (laughs) which uh, is admittedly some distance away but as i said in the process europe is becoming marginalized in world affairs it's, uh, it's no longer the cultural powerhouse it has always been in the past. I mean, you know, right all the way back to the ancient Greeks, Europe was one of the great power intellectual and cultural powerhouses of the world. Well, <laughs> what sign of that is there anymore?
0: Maybe some distance away, but uh, what, here's, a, here's a final thought. Uh, what, what happens now that they've committed themselves to letting Ukraine into the European Union? What happens when, uh, when Russia, if, let's not say when, if Russia decides to, uh, uh, how, how can I say this, decides to, to move ahead and, and swallow up uh, Ukraine? I mean, what what happens or or Ukraine is so is so utterly defeated in this conflict that there is no more Ukraine for all intents and purposes. I mean, what happens then now that the EU has committed themselves to Ukraine's entry to the European
1: Union? Well, the, 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 the world sees that the emperor has no clothes because there's nothing they can do. They'll run to the Americans and plead for them to them, for the Americans to do something. And of course, who the, what? what the Americans will do in that situation, nobody knows. But the reality is that they have no power to prevent that thing. In fact, in reality, their power is diminishing. Bear in mind, they can't even produce shells. I mean, you know, four thousand shells a the, the month is all they can make. So, I mean, you know, uh, I, I mean, that, but I mean, that's that is all they can do. And as I said, they will be exposed, like the emperor was exposed when it was shown that he had no clothes.
0: I mean, are there any legal issues or any? I mean, you know, they're opening up accession talks with a state that could potentially not exist in in a year or two, or or exist under the umbrella of of, of Russia's uh, influence. I mean, do you just call it off. You know, well, uh, I mean, well we're calling off the accession. Well, I, I mean, I, I, the talks.
1: I, I presume. I presume that that is in practice what they would do. I mean, you know, if if, if Ukraine is brought immediately into the EU and then Russia conquers it, as I said, I mean, it'll be, I mean, they will will be left looking completely ridiculous. And as I said, they'll run to the Americans and, you know, we'd see what the Americans do in that situation. But if the accession talks are prolonged, you know, a couple of years, and Ukraine collapses in the meantime, then they will, I suspect, as the word says, they will suspend them. They will say they will wait until Ukraine is once again free and strong and has all its territories, including Crimea, back, and that's when they will resume. And they will keep the mirage, you know, continuing, you know, Fooling people in Ukraine that one day this will happen. Yeah. All right. We'll end it there. The
0: Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble Odyssey, Bitch Shoot, Telegram, Rockfin, and Twitter X. And go to the Duran shop. 20% off. Use the code thedurad 20 Take care.